Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. Join your hosts as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Dave Fanning. And I'm Matt Croger. That's right. After a significant hiatus, you are receiving the auditory pleasure of my tones on the airwaves again. I've been uh, adjusting to having a second child who's now four months and a bit of a health battle, but now I'm back. And today I'm joined by a man who's quickly becoming a good gaming friend of mine. You know, I'm letting him into the secret circle and uh, who I've been playing plenty of online games with, and that's Dave Fanning. Thanks for joining me, Dave. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Now, this is your first time on the show, Dave. So when we get new guests, uh, what we do is we get you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so why don't you tell us where you're from in Australia, what's your gaming origin story in terms of tabletop gaming, and uh, how did you find your way to, to Kings? Yeah, right. Uh, I am in Wollongong, just south of Sydney. Um, I'm sure I'm probably the only person listening who knows where that is, but that's all right. But yeah, how did I get into gaming? I remember being about 13, year old, uh, 13 years old, walking past a game shop and um, a uh, games workshop and seeing like, you know, the displays in the windows and thinking, oh, shit, I've got to get involved in this. Um, I, I got the um, starter kit, start assembling it. And then worked out the game was just way too intense for 13-year-old me to play, so that just sort of got put by the wayside. Turns out I had some mates who were in, into 40K at the same time. They said, try that. It'll be easier. I didn't think it was easier, but there we go. Um, yeah, so it kind of just sort of died away from me. I got replaced by video games, but then cut to about eight years ago, I find myself living in Jacksonville, Florida for work uh, for about six months. Um and a mate who I was working with at the time said, um, hey, there's a game store nearby. Do you want to check it out? I thought, sure. Built another force. It was Dark Elder this time. Again, never used it. I didn't like it. I'm thinking, I just keep building armies. What's going on here? That sat in the display case. And the only reason I really kept that, I think, is just to remind me where my hobby skills have come with that. When I sort of entered fatherhood, I just found that I had no time for video games and I just had sort of short bursts of... 20 minutes, half an hour here or there. So it kind of just all got filled with hobby. Um, so, yeah, leaving Games Workshop behind, mates said, you've got to try Bolt Action, Dave, because it's simple. Um, it's probably easy enough for even me to understand. I thought, okay, turns out it was. I liked it. Sort of built a stack of different armies. And then they kind of introduced me to Kings of War. Um, I've just, I don't know, I've always had that thing for fantasy. And um, when... I was seeing some of the stuff that they were putting in uh, in Facebook in like hobby chats and stuff like that. I thought, what, what's this? Um, so, yeah, before I knew it, I said, okay, well, I've got about 100 dryads, some archers, some big tree monsters. Point me to the Wood Elf faction and about a month later, I had 2,000 points of Sylvankin ready to go. Yeah, nice. Um, and when you say, you know, you've always had a thing for fantasy, you're talking about fantasy war games. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so and so, Warhammer Fantasy was your first purchase, but it sounds like mates dragged you into 40K. Yeah, and, and I think I'm pretty sure I tried Lord of the Rings as well. I, I never really got past enjoying actually just making the 
um, making the armies up and, um, and, you know, getting them out and making it just all sort of look pretty. I'm, I was just, to me, it was about just the, you know, the hobby aspect of what can I sort of put in front of me to, you know, make me feel like a, a general, I guess, you know, as soon as they started moving around and, and playing the game, it sort of just all went over my head. Mm. Yeah, well, complex rule sets. I mean, even Lord of the Rings is not an easy rule set. And I, I don't know, maybe I've gotten smarter, but this was 13-year-old me, so it was just a different sort of, mm. I want to say, level of brain power, but maybe not. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I know you pretty well now, and I don't think you're smarter than a 13-year-old. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so did, you say, <laughs> so did you say it was um, bolt action mates that got you into Kings? They were yeah, also yeah, playing yeah. Kings. Yeah, um, uh, where is, I mean, you've probably seen his stuff on Kings of War Australia, but Patch Adams um, was became mm-hmm. a friend through um, Bolt Action and Brian Cook and a few others of, of the games club that I'd get to up in Sydney every once in a while. They just sort of said, you know, mate, Kings of War, it's simple. You've got to try it. And I thought, well, sure, okay, I will. And then I've mm-hmm. sort of been the one who's most hooked out of it. Mm, yeah, okay. And because the... Because Bolt Action also had a little bit of a dive-off in recent years with newer editions, didn't it? Uh, it it kind of just – I think my friends maybe just ma- – I don't want to say matured out of it, like the game's not mature it is, but I guess they just wanted something more. Um, most of my friends have won a major tournament. I've, I haven't won anything, but mm. it, I guess they sort of scratched that itch and then moved on, and I, I just moved with the group with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, all right. And then in terms of video games, so you're into video games for a while. Did they always have that fantasy aspect too, or were they a mix of stuff? Oh, look, a mix. I, I, I loved um, Warcraft growing up. Yeah. And uh, half the reason I ended up into World War Two is because I really got hooked on um, Company of Heroes. And what my best mate okay. at the time said, mate, you've. You can build a British army. We can play Company Heroes on the tabletop. I'm like, okay, sold, mate. You've got me involved. I'm there for it. Yeah. Yeah, don't you reckon modern games really lack that epicness of what we had growing up, like those those iconic games? I, I, I look back and think like, like uh, you know, just Warcraft 2, Warcraft 3, yeah. um, Starcraft. I, I mean, Starcraft. I, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe we're in a different time, but I just remember having weekends as a kid where you just play Starcraft you know, Friday night, Saturday, you just mm. haven't stopped. Same thing with Company Heroes and, and, and yeah. Warcraft and I don't know. Hopefully my kids Maybe it's because there was less games, you know. Maybe maybe it was easier for games to become. But I, I don't know. I just feel like we don't get those big titles that transcend decades now. Yeah, and maybe it's the access as well and, like, there is just so much to play. But, like, I remember, yeah. uh, you know, me and four mates, we all – had the same game we all bought it we all got it for christmas or bought it together and you know we'd lug in our computers to each other's house to set up a land so we can play together and i just yeah, don't yeah. think that that needs to happen anymore well no i don't know anyone that would still land game <laughs> no 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 but like that whole concept of just <laughs> yeah yeah nah. being together and yeah well it, it seems to yeah it's really moved towards that kind of mmo rather than you know that style of game, hasn't it? Online and, gaming, and, and and that's exactly where it it died off for me because I remember trying mm. to play an MMO and all of a sudden my kids would cry out and I'm like, ah, sorry guys, got to go. 
And then mm. they're like, what? And then it just, all of a sudden, it just, oh, you know, well, you just wait that much. You lose that much time mm. in load screens and startups. And yeah. And then it just, yeah. It, I needed yeah, something probably- I could pick up. Yeah, and that probably feeds into a little bit of what we'll talk about later as well because, yeah, I mean, even on computer games, I've always loved, for that reason, turn-paced games, you know, whether it's your Total Wars or or growing up a massive one for me was Heroes of Might and Magic. Oh, that yeah. Was, uh, yeah, yeah. Although it kind of died, it, it kind of dived off a little bit after three, I reckon, but uh, they, yeah. were, they were epic for me. I think, I guess that's, I don't know, I, I mean, I play D&D now and mm. that that's that heroes of mine much kind of feels the same for me in that you've you've got that same aspect of a party and they've all got different skill sets and you've got to work together um i mm. really what well, it made me think about it um that's right so the i recently bought my kids a switch for christmas and the one game i did by myself although i think i've played about four hours of it was civilization just yes. again because it's that it just mm. i saw it in the used games bit and i'm like i need this all right mm. <laughs> Yeah, see, I started I started playing more Civ again when it came out on the PlayStation because I could pick up the controller and it was simplified a bit, so it wasn't quite as epically big. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, we we might move on, and at this point, we usually do a bit of a hobby catch up. Uh, so, what are you working on at the moment, and uh, are you building towards anything in particular in terms of a tournament or whatever? I am working on halflings uh, now. It's going to be my third Kings of War army. Um, mm-hmm. I really wanted to do an all-mantic army as soon as I finished Sylvankin um, because that is just totally uh, – there's not a single mantic model in it. Uh, and I remember listening to the Northern Alliance army review that you guys did uh, maybe back like end of 2020, just when 3rd mm. edition came out. Mm. And I thought, yep, this is going to be it. I'm going to do all-mantic all Northern Alliance. Ended up waking up hungover New Year's Day to a receipt in my email saying that <laughs> – I've ordered a frost giant and the Northern Alliance Mega Army. Um, <laughs> I hooked into it, um, but I used about half that kit. I couldn't stand the um, Ice Skin Hunters or the um, the uh, Half Elf Berserkers. Um, and the Do you range feel put together, or yeah, and I, I don't know. Archers and stilettos kind of wasn't my thing either. Um, so mm. the range was missing. As in, you didn't like the bow. You just loved the stilettos. Yeah, yeah, the bow yeah. just didn't do it for me. <laughs> um, the range was missing a few key units as well. So my yeah. arm is about fifty-fifty at the moment. Um, so when Mantic said they're doing halflings, uh, I, and it's got to be a full range, I just said shut up and take my money. So now I'm working my way through just about everything. I think I've gone with the the rule of two and bought just about two of every box, um, and I'm just having as much fun as I can multi-basing where I get to. I probably will get the army ready for Clash of Kings um, next January. Like I'm known as the hobby turtle in some groups where it's just slow and steady wins the pace, so I uh, wins the race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I'm just working towards that and just trying to have a lot of fun. I've, I've mucking around with flicker LEDs, smoke effects. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, on your um, on your and EJ Grenadiers. Oh no, that's only Aeronauts. The EJs. Oh, on the Aeronauts. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do the same thing with EJs, but just make it mm. look like the um, the exhaust trails on not on fire, but like just got smoke effects in it as well. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I got green stuff roller, so I'm trying that for the first time as well for some cobblestone roads mm. and just mucking around with height as well, seeing what I can do with sort of brass rods to just get some elevation across the army. Because, yeah, I guess I'm just I'm building that for the Almantic army for the the summer or winter here, and kind of just lined up really well. 
Mm. And so having had some issues with the Northern Alliance kit, how are you finding the Halfling kit? Just about everything that everyone said I agree with. Um, I love the kit. I love that it's dual purpose. I really wish they had more arm options um, mm. for just a regular Brave Cav box set. I, as, as a rule, I don't like PVC models, but I'm I am looking at the um, the Battle Pig. What's it called again? The um, Iron the Beast. Um, Iron Beast, yeah. And thinking, okay, now that should, I'll, I'll I'll put up with that one. That one looks fun to paint. Um, um, but the range looks it, it looks really good. the uh, The only thing I really wish was complete, and it's not, is they don't have uh, like a standard bearer with a flag in the army. Is mm. Mantic, please give me one of them. That's the only mm. non-Mantic mini I have in my army, and at the moment I'm not 100 percent sure I'll. Take do you know it what anyway. you could do? You know, we were uh, when you po- posted that thing about a banner and the standard of Hodenberg. I just thought you should, <laughs> you should green stuff a pair of testes and just stick them on a spear model, <laughs> and, then, and then base it on a 20 mil, and then or even at the top of a little castle. Big. <laughs> Big dick and balls, just yeah. Mm. I mm. um yeah, I, I'm working on ways I can have the the banner of of um Hodenberg actually yeah. reflect its true meaning, um, mm. in mm. a cheeky sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. Yeah, I I, I vibe that. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to be um I'm going to be blogging through the hobby challenge, and that's that's totally one of my beefs is is the arm options. It's just. You know, there's not enough Braves. Braves are easily the best infantry. There's too many spears and too many rifles and not enough yeah. Braves. Mm. I was thinking about I was thinking about blogging mine as well, so I might. You should, might yeah. I've got a draft on there for you to have a look at. So, um, but okay. yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely should. I think it's worthwhile. I think people enjoy reading about that stuff. The thing that I've wanted to do for a, a long time is just to, I don't know, I get so much more out of writing stuff down. Mm. Nah, I'm going to turn this off. Hang That'll be the fine, Reg. Um, um, so for myself, I'm working on the halflings as well. So I've actually just got the with the contrast paints, the not the contrast, the quick sh- quick shade from Army Painter. I've oh, just got the base paint, coats yep. on. Yep, speed paint. That's right. Yeah, all these names. I've got the base coats down on a full regiment of Braves. Um, so now I just need to highlight them up and wait on Tony Windmill to print me some stuff for the bases. Then I think I'm, I'm pretty tempted to just paint the Iron Beast next. Because it does look like a good model, and of course, I'm, I'm still going to plug away on the Dram- Dragon Empire in the background whenever I complete the challenge. Because I do enjoy playing with them, and they're, they're, they'll be my prettiest army. So I'm yeah. undecided whether I'm bringing them or the dwarfs to Shirecon. I'm definitely more competitive with the dwarfs, so I think the dwarfs will get rolled out. But I do like the idea of bringing my my nicest army <laughs> as well. I I. Everything I think I've kind of pushed towards now is just to make it look cool. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I'll super rush through an army again. I think I just I've got enough now. I think I'm just going to enjoy just trying to, like you said, have fun and make them look good. Yeah, and I think like I am enjoying being able to paint the halflings a lot more quickly than my Dragon Empire. So I'm I'm kind of moving towards you know maybe the paint job being a bit quicker, but investing in the in the in the multi-basing aspect and using that to really bring it together but yeah we'll yeah, we'll yeah. see 
Yeah, well, could doesn't necessarily mean it looks bad. And I've, I've seen some great work with those speed paints and contrast to make it really look nice and professional. And, mm. yeah, I don't know, I just think, especially like, you know, we, I'm never going to win a Golden Demon, but if I can use those same tools to just make my um, make my armies look uh, professional, then, you know, I'm going to go for it and use them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just or a patch is a classic example, right? He uses the speed paints, but then he's a master of the quick highlight, you know, just to to make make certain things pop. I run the good from far, far from good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how I live my life. Except for my wife, she's good all the time. <laughs> from a good, a far, or from close, I'm definitely punching above my weight. So let's move on to our main topic, uh, which is something you've been thinking a lot about being a newer player, and that's improving your game as a new player. Uh, you've written some thoughts on the Cow Australia blog. So for anyone that wants to check that out, that's www.cowaustralia.com uh, for those who want to have a closer look. And it's there's Dave's blogs up there with about seven battle reports, six from you and I, I think, and one from Nick Legrand, and we're going to be doing more over time. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about how we've been going about it, given, I guess, that we live three hours apart, how we've been getting some games in against each other? Yeah, I mean, I I guess the game, so they call it play by email. um, And I don't know if that goes back to how they did it before my time, at least. But um, essentially, the game just gets saved. And you just, you know, because in Kings of War, you do your whole turn by yourself. you just go turn by turn, working through, save, making sure the chat gets copied into another um, document that you can sort of review later on. Um, and then you'll just let each other know when it's their turn to jump on and um, do the turn. You've obviously got to get, you've got to get together at start for deployment. Um, I guess theoretically you don't have to, but that would make the game take ages. And, um, yeah, as soon as it's time for turn one, we just sort of say, oh, good good luck, good game, and then we just sort of get to it in our own time as we can over the course of about a week, I guess. Yeah, I mean, varies day to day, doesn't it, depending on what we've got going. But And so that, of course, is using Universal Battle 2. Were you around for the pre versus later updates? I think you were. We'd started before the most recent update, hadn't, hadn't yeah. you? Yep. Yes. So I guess originally you had to do it on the one account, so you had to be a little bit trusting and um, and you, you'd just save the game and reload the game just as a single layer um, turn by turn. Uh, but now you can actually just save the um, – you can strip the user ID and just save the file. Um, you can even just save the file and then email it or send it to – another uh, player or you can just still do that same concept of um, having people just share an account. That's up to you. Yeah. Whatever you're comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. And what what else did you like about the UB updates recently? And, and how, I guess, how do you find UB as an application and to use for playing Kings in general? I think my favorite update is the wound markers, how you mm. can just, because I, I always get, confused when you as soon as you move a unit around or what what um how many wounds were on that or was that was that the right tracking card or whatever but um i find that really useful now that you can just hit the plus or minus sign and it just um has a little scalp here in the corner and then just increases the amount of wounds on the unit the auto measuring that that's got now as well is is um useful for me so you just click on your unit and then you just hover over the different units on the battlefield and it's going to tell you 
you know how far away they are and um yeah the way that it um and i'll 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 promise i'll get better at it with um screenshots i've had some feedback from people about it um the unit names as well you can just press a couple Mm. of buttons up the top and the tags appear with everything on it yep yeah 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 that's a good feature too yeah so and and what about universal battle as a whole i mean there's a little bit of well there's not heaps of debate but there's obviously options like tabletop simulator which are a lot more immersive visually Um, how do you find universal battle to use in terms of ease is it immersive enough like why, why do you like it and why do you not like it i guess Okay, so what do I like it? Uh, so I tried Tabletop Simulator on my laptop and it, it literally made it shit itself. I blue screened. It just couldn't keep up with the speed. <laughs> and it was it was too immersive. My laptop shut down and I thought, well, I'm not using this program. Um, yep. So Universal Battle works for me. It, it's got that top-down view. It, it's simple to use. I mean, I'm... Again, I've already. This is going to be a theme here, but if it's if something's complex, I'm just not going to do it. So mm. the fact that's that your 13 year old brain kicking in. Yeah, yeah. You be. It's simple. It's easy. Um, if someone shows you through it, you'll be fine with it. And that's, I guess, what works for me because I guess what I wanted to get out of it more than anything was more more games. I didn't want mm. to make this harder for me. I didn't want to have to learn something new. I just wanted to play Kings of War. Yeah, and I think Kings of War kind of lends itself to that 2D aspect, doesn't it, quite well. Um, I think it's different strokes, right? Some people like to be a bit immersed and feel like it's actual tabletop, whereas whereas for me, I basically want it to be as simple as playing on the table where I can just push stuff around. And so yeah. UB2 works for me in that regard, and I don't want it to take any longer than a game on the tabletop, you know? That's, that's it. And it scratches a different itch, really. For me, it's... Mm. This is how do I get games in to learn the game that I like playing, get familiar with the rules, get better at it without the issues of having a young family and knowing that scheduling is a nightmare. I mean, mm. I, we, we probably we would never get a game in if it wasn't for being able to do it online and mm. being able to do it by correspondence. Yep. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, you haven't got a massive gaming group around you where you are in Wollongong, do you? I no. mean, for those that don't know, you know, Wollongong's a good hour out of Sydney proper, so probably an hour to the bigger gaming group that you have available to you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just it's just not that convenient. You've only got a few blokes around you that play. Mm, however, you know, and, I will and say. They, and they dribble too much, so those Wollongongs. Yeah, but yeah, Will and Gronks. But I did manage to tee up a game uh, this Friday night with one of the Gronks, so that'd be good. Um, did you? One of the best things, yeah. One of the best things that come out of actually going to to uh, Clash Kings Australia and Canberra was actually playing across the table to this guy who turns out lives twenty minutes away from me. I'm like, this is fantastic. I don't have to drive an hour and a half for a game anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there was quite a bit of that this year of people finding. People yeah. that were local and, I mean, not everyone has Facebook and things. I've had an inquiry on the website from a guy in Sydney who's, you know, not on Facebook or anything, so he's disconnected from the community and we'll yeah. try and put him in touch with some people. Yeah, um, probably nice people, so not yourself. but yeah, um, stick there me. Yeah. So I, I thought I'd just run through kind of the process of what we do. So as, as you said, you know, we'd, we'd both load up UB. We tend to use the same account just so we can save our games and, have tracks for the screenshots for the blog, but the other play-by-email we use separate accounts and and you just load it all up and ideally if you have 
15, 20 minutes where you can both jump online at the same time. That's easiest for deployment. Otherwise, you kind of got an alternate deployment and that could take forever, basically. Yeah, right. I know Realistically, people, I think it yeah. would take a week, realistically. Yeah, yeah. Some people do a thing where they deploy a couple of units at once. Um, I've done that with Andrew Goodman before and, you know, or the, he – um, or puts a few down or, you know, he's so much better than me, he can hand- handicap himself and probably still win and he'll say, I'll deploy first <laughs> and then I'll put everything else down. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think jumping online and getting 20 minutes together is is the best way to do it. And then, as you say, so Universal Battle tracks everything in the left-hand column. And so what you can do is you can go to the settings section and then um, – when someone's finished your turn, you just press copy to clipboard and you paste it. We use a program called Just Paste It, which is just online. You copy the chat into there, you save the file, strip the user ID, download the file, and, and most of the time I just drag and drop the, that file into Messenger to send it to you and you yeah. generate a link from the copy and paste to send the turn so that if you want to double-check anything. I mean, honestly, most of the time I don't even check the chat log. I just look log in and because I'm playing with people I know usually and I you know for me it's it's not about winning so much but as playing the game I don't even check it unless I want to check something like did they remember iron resolve for me or or something like that or if I'm really <laughs> surprised about something that's happened I'll log in and check the chat log um and it's as simple as that and we just alternate back and forth I mean I think we've had some games go as short as a couple of days if we've both been off or something but still don't have a 3 hour block free as yeah. you say, with a, with a young family, it's it's super easy to do. I mean, that's something maybe we should do also, Dave, is write up a blog with some screenshots of exactly the process. Yeah, I mean, I, I the whole the whole concept of actually just blogging is helping me at least get my thoughts into like uh, instead of just being random thoughts floating around my head, actually getting it onto paper and 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 spelling it out. It, it's actually I found that the most useful thing out of the whole evolution, to be honest. Is just yeah. So the, well, why don't we talk about that a bit? So that's obviously something you like about play by email, other than the time. So what do you find that is so useful about that of writing it out? And you know, well, first let's start with the what's so useful about being able to load it up besides time and just have a look at it from a newer player perspective of learning the game. Uh, well, I guess. I know you said besides time, but the obvious one I think is is time. In that, mm. I remember uh, one of our earlier games. You sent it to me, and I checked it out around nine a.m. in the morning. I didn't have to do my turn till seven o'clock at night, but I didn't feel that rush of oh shit, I've got to do something here, mm. um, and I could just take my time to think about it and go, oh, what if I did this? What if I did that? Um, yeah. So even if you weren't in front of it, you were kind of having a thought about it just by looking at it. Yeah, that's right. And I think I talk about it in one of the blog posts about that good players just can see a turn ahead and know what's going to happen. Um, mm. And I guess giving yourself that time to explore all your different options and see what could come next is just um, – it gives you that chance to, uh, I don't want to say pretend you're good, but you can at least maybe look at different scenarios of where you think this game could head and then pick you know, where you think your best one should be from there. Well, I think I think getting used to looking ahead is a habit, right? Um, so I think kind of teaching yourself, even though the time difference to being on the tabletop is, I think it becomes a habit and you get used to it. I mean, I work in health and part of diagnosis is over time as you get more experience in theory, you get better because you see patterns. 
right? And you you see pattern recognition in things and you go, all right, when this, this and this happens, this is what the outcome is. And I think that's the same for gaming, right? So if you actually take the time to go, all right, what pattern develops from this moment, you know, then then it's going to be useful. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. Um, the other big thing I picked up is uh, because I would have my uh, Word document with my different turns through it um, and I've got a little blurb at the start of, hey, this is my game plan, um, I'd have that game plan up usually just because it was the last thing I had open on my computer and I would read that again before I do my turn and then I'd look into it and I'm like, aha, there's a charge here. Oh, hang on, that's not my game plan. My game plan was to hold this objective and mm. ignore that one. Why would I? Well, why am I charging over in that area of the board when that's that's not what my plan was? Especially with the halflings, um, found that playing the scenario and just sticking to that game plan you decide and just reminding yourself continually what the game plan is um, takes those heat of the moment. Oh, yep, I'll take that charge, or yep, I'll go over there. That's a good idea um, off the table, or at least it did for me, and just stop some of the silly mistakes. Well, I think particularly with an army like Halflings, right, because it is totally a scenario army. Like there is just no – you're not going to – well, you can, but you're less likely to blow someone off the table. And oh, so it, it – yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, So it's, it, it's totally about, you know, how how can you win this scenario, which means you have to stick to a game plan from the start with, with some pivoting, obviously, because you can't totally predict – you know what your opponent's going to do. No, but that's um, right. The, the game would be boring if you could just a hundred percent cookie cutter predict where turn six was going to be just from game uh, turn one. But you know anything can happen. Mm, absolutely, I think that's what I I like, and I think other people have mentioned to me from the you know the seventy people who read our blog. <laughs> Um, which is probably less than 70 because people probably go back on there multiple times. Well, aren't 20 um, of them you? Yeah, <laughs> 30. Is that we write the blog in isolation to each other. So we either write it as we're going or at the very least, if I haven't written as I'm going, I don't look at what you've written while I'm writing my turn by turn. Yeah. Um, and and it's I think it's interesting to see what each person is thinking without referencing the other person, uh, which usually is you know Dave saying oh I'm in a strong position here and then he loses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I just I know exactly that's basically what I wrote in the last last battle report we did. Ah, uh, yeah, time to crush Matt Crozier. Open up. <laughs> oh, how did I lose this? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah our last one was probably our best game actually but yeah i think i think that's useful and I, I i find that really useful to look back on too and go okay so this is what it was thinking in reality what are the chances of that happening um like did 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 i get lucky uh did i did something swing or have i just played that turn better i, I just think it's really useful that way what about any dislikes about the way we've been playing is there is there anything that you kind of don't find works for you? Yeah. So the thing that I you lose out of it is that social interaction. Um, mm. And I mean this in the – this is going to sound bad on me. It's made me read the rules a lot more. <laughs> the amount of times I'd interact with – You did with, me. <laughs> the amount of times it made me interact with the player across the board of, hey, I want to do this. This is my intention. 
can I do this? Is that okay? You kind of just have to commit and then go with it. Um, and we've had to do a few mulligans where it's like, oh, no, that's actually illegal. I'll try that again uh, mm. and redo my turn. Um, I don't know. And maybe that is kind of also a positive in that it just makes you really know the rules rock solid yourself because you don't mm. have that other person to bounce off. But, yeah, it's um, it's great because you get the games in but you do lose that sort of social interaction, that's for sure. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I have to say I, I quite find it a reasonably enjoyable way to game, although when I know an issue you've had before too is except when you commit to playing too many people on play-by-email at once. So yeah. you have like three or four games going and I find that, you know, just stacking it on top of my to-do list that can be get a bit anxiety-inducing for me. It's it's interesting, and it, it made me um, realize a lot about just myself and the way I game. Um, I do. I think I've talked about it in the blog as well. I remember having three separate um, Universal Battle uh, tabs open on the browser and just going along, deploying all three at the same time. And like I said, I think I got I was. I was out by turn three or four in two of the games. They would have been rubbish games to play me against because I was just doing silly things and just moving to get through them. Um, but yeah, the amount of the amount of brain energy I need myself to just focus and and, and have a clear understanding of what I want to do it just it turns to dust when I start playing a couple of games at once. Mm, yep. And do you, do you think it has any advantages to learning? on the tabletop like what what's the best thing for you uh well i guess if if i've got a more thorough understanding of what my army does i've got a more thorough understanding of the scenarios because there's some scenarios i hadn't played going into clash of kings australia like that was my first tournament my first time playing on the clock but it was also my first time playing two of the scenarios as well mm. so now that I've played a lot more of them, got more under my belt, got a better understanding of the rules, I guess there is less variables for when we do play on the tabletop. Yeah, I'm probably clock out one of the games, I'd say, when we play in Shirecon, um in about a month's time. Mm. Um, but that said, if I've strengthened other areas of my game, then I do make it a little bit easier for myself. Um, mm. I was thinking about how I can take some of these better learnings to the tabletop and I probably will just even have like a little card printed out with me next to me that just says step one, breathe, step two, measure, step three, yeah. check for flanks. Don't forget your name on top, mate, so you remember that. Yeah, <laughs> because it is those basics that you take for granted when you play UB2 that when you get to the tabletop, you just you can get caught out. Like theoretically, yeah. you should never get caught out with a charge that you don't expect coming in UB2 because you have the ranges there right in front of you. But mm. when you take it to the tabletop. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. No. no, I agree. Oh, God. Shycon's only a month away. I'm looking forward to smashing you game one. That's, that's so not, good. again, and, and I'll, I'll put it out here again. When I crush Matt Crozier, round <laughs> one of Shycon, I'm going <laughs> to memorialize it in a t shirt. We'll yeah. talk about it on the Kings of War Australia <laughs> Facebook page. What the what the t shirt should say. I don't know if we want to go with something plain and simple like I crush Matt Crozier or mm, you know something elaborate. Have, well you throw mm. in lumps of cheese instead of dogs on dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um I'm you know that it's it's our <laughs> It's our game that's probably going to make me bring dwarfs because <laughs> I know you struggle against the dwarfs. So, so let's go into your learnings as as a new player. 
give us give us a rundown like and yes they're in your blog but not everyone reads the blog and um so i think it's a good opportunity to get it in auditory form too what what are your what are your main learnings that you've learned kind of playing the game recently not just by ub but i know that most of your games have been by ub yeah um i guess so the first thing uh, it was it was easy playing halflings is that you got to get past this idea of trying to kill everything um my my most uh, experienced army was Northern Alliance beforehand, and when that thing's chock a block full of crush too, like you're gonna kill a lot of stuff. You take a halfling army, you just gotta work out how to win the game without killing everything. And mm. to me, um, I just remember distinctly playing the unit strength game, and I think I caught you off guard with the EJs being yeah. unit strength two, and the the sharp sticks being unit strength four. Is um, like I, I, I guess that that was an instance where the game plan worked for me because yeah, I said I was just looking at where my unit strength was on the board and not how I was going to kill you. I just needed to survive. Mm. Um, I think any other the other big thing I picked up is that you just you can't charge what you can't place. Um, now we never ended up blogging this one, but I do remember again it was against you playing um, Basalia was. Um, I just had my three uh, three units just lined up right next to each other. I had my chaff in front, my other two flies ready to go, and I could just creep them further and further around right into a flank across your army, and there wasn't anything you could do about it apart from take the chaff, which I knew you didn't really want to do. Um, mm. like I guess I said the Wizards of Kings of War out there, they've got this down to a, a fine art where they can just protect flanks, and all of a sudden you just can't you can't get into the units you want to and you're left with nothing but bad options. I think you did it really well in the last game, especially on the right flank where you had your three units of um, dwarves. They're all the same height and I only had fronts. I wanted the flanks. I just couldn't get them. And if I did try and take one of the fronts that you didn't want to give me, I was just going to lose my my Frostfang Lord to a, a flank next turn. I'm not saying you're good at it. <laughs> I played that well. I definitely played that you well. Did, you did. And, and, and it just happens that the game we didn't blog, you crushed me big time. Uh, so it's never been immortalised and I quite like that. Now, and I will say, so I think we ended up blogging our fourth game. Now, and maybe you let me win the first, but I think of those first three games, I, I, I think I played pretty well and they will also never be immortalised. And I know that there's no one's ever going to believe me but me. Oh, is that, <laughs> but, yeah. is that, is that so? I'd totally forgotten that. Remember we yeah, played, right. um, yeah, you, you ran that uh, Empire of Dust chariot list at me. Oh, yeah, 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 the and, crap list. Yeah. Um, Someone had to give you a leg up. You ran you ran a dwarf's list, and I can't remember. There was something else as well, but, yeah. Mm. No, uh, that, that last, I, th- I think I said it to you straight afterwards, the movement, your movement game in the last battle report that we did, that was, that was, that was pretty well done, so... Mm. I'd like to get to a point, too, of us getting some, like with proper models pictures, too, of being able to do, like I know some people do it. Um, I know the, the Goonhammer guys do it. I've just got to look at probably blogging some IRL games, too, you know. Yeah. What do you think, uh, what, what what else have you got on the learnings front? So you've got, what, what have we been through? We've been through the, you can't, if you, uh, you can't, yeah, you go. Uh, you don't need to kill everything. You can't yep. kill what you can't place. Can't charge what you can't it. place. Sorry, that's where we're up to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, one of the one of the mates from the community as well made a wound calculator. Um, and and I, I got a lot out of actually just pushing some of my units through that, and just to see what I was 
going to expect. Um, it's always a lot at, less, isn't it? Like, yeah, you, it, it is. Mm, you think hit on threes, oh, that's good, but realistically, that's still only hitting sixty six percent of the time. Yep, and yeah. especially when you're like, oh, I'll front charge this thing. Oh mm. no, actually, I'm not cracking that whatsoever. Not even if I bane chan it. Not even if I get thunderous or something like that. And then it really makes you realize. It, it probably put in perspective, especially with the halflings, of like, well, I really don't have anything to crack anything in this army, so mm. I better start getting a bit smarter about how I do things. Um, and I don't really think I take that many charges with Braves whatsoever. Mm. I just position them so you have to go off-cocked if you want to charge me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit that uh, wound calculators is something I've probably my, my gut feeling is I dislike in terms of like getting the actual numbers in the past. But like now that we've been talking about it, I think it's really useful tool, especially for a new player, because eventually you'll learn it, right? If you stick with the right army, you won't need to sit there during a game while your opponent's waiting and plug into a wound calculator. Like you'll know that roughly when you do this, most of the time that you will get six or seven wounds or so- or something like that. And I think if you're doing it in your opponent's turn, like it's no big deal anyway. It's it's more that I don't kind of probably like the idea, particularly if it's casual gaming. If it's on the clock, who cares? But if someone's sitting there, you know, in a casual game and plugging it through during their turn. I think at best I would just gauge it off defence five and work out how many wounds I'm going to do against defence five with my army and just write that next to my own army list sheet. Yep. Just so, you know, oh, yeah, I'm probably going to do two, three wounds, yada, yada, go through. Mm. But one of the things playing on UB that I'm sure everyone complains about is that UB dice are bullshit. Like, <laughs> they say everything's odd-based. I'm telling you that's not the case. And if you've played on UB, you know what I'm talking about. The yeah. amount of times it's 18 attacks, hitting on fours, wound on threes, like all I'm going to do is three wounds. I can do this, and you go. Mm. How did I? How did I do one wound there? I don't understand this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a believer in UB dice, except for when it comes to. I think if you do, I I, I feel like if you do the roll twice really quickly, you almost get the same results. So on a nerve <laughs> test, I try and do. I do it quick. <laughs> quick. I think I even blog about it now, where I just rely on any minute now. Crows go to roll double ones and I'll be all good. Yeah, I've rolled so many double ones against you. Yeah, you just, you find them. Mm. Um, in our mm. in our last Still game. Still win, I, but yeah. yeah. In our last game, I found, because I kept on, like, uh, like, like I said earlier, like I'm a um, kinesthetic learner. I I got to do stuff, I've got to write stuff out for it to stick in my brain. And I'm, I'm reading all these reports online, I'm listening to podcasts, and I was like, yeah, you've got to use terrain, mate. All you've got to do is use terrain. It's simple. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, mate. I've got my mm. guys in terrain. I'm using it. Why am I still getting crushed here? But it was <laughs> that, like, and I'm watching my dude get shot sitting in the forest going, why am I not just having him on the other side of the forest? And it's like, oh, that's what people mean when they say yeah. use terrain. <laughs> As in block line of sight with it, mate. Forcing yeah. your charges with it, mate. What are you doing? So I just yeah, yeah. And I think I think one of the things that's really hard to get used to is using terrain, even if you're not hiding your things, but to present something like a flank, but the person can't complete it because the terrain's there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. otherwise, or like it'd be corner to corner, and you see these post up on post up on fanatics all the time. Oh, you know, it's crap that I can't charge this. That's a that's a break in the game. No, that is good use of terrain. 
you know, yeah, that's and literally the intent of what the guys put that unit there for. Yeah, exactly. And and there's these, you know, there's there is these things in a re- relatively granular game that you know pop up that seem unintuitive that you can see something but not charge it. But you know, that's just part of the game. If you yep. if you don't like that part of the game, go find another one. Right. Yeah. yeah go but that, that's. Game. Yeah, that's definitely part of of using the terrain for sure. And I think and the really good players do do that, you know, and yeah. do it consistently. And I guess that I guess that follows on from the, from what I've got in in my blog on the next post that and that next post uh, good players just limit options opponents options to bad ones. Mm. Um you know, as as the game sort of flows on, you have decisions to make and all of a sudden you know, the good players are going to just leave you with increasingly bad ones to make and before you know it, you've just got nothing but nothing but trouble in front of you. Yeah, that's a mistake I frequently used to make. Like I used to, in my higher drop, drop dwarf armies, I would push too much forward to get all my dogs off at once and even if it might have been chaff or I considered everything chaff, there's no point presenting all your chaff in one turn because then it's all gone. You know, realistically, if you're playing a high unit strength game, high drop game, you want to be feeding people things slowly because then it's really unlikely. This would be the same in your halflings. You decrease the chances of them being able to get through you in six turns. That's it, yeah. and you, and you, you just you turn it turns into a trade off, you know. Um, yeah. And I guess that's something that I've read as well: is two regiments are going to hold up something longer than one horde will be for sure, because that is two turns of trying to chew through it. And then, you know, maybe they get a double one in there too. That's three turns. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the difference to taking two, and if you only provide one of those regiments at once for not much more than a horde, you've delayed someone for a couple of turns. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. uh, yeah. And, so, and again, yeah. If, and if all you need to do is keep that opponent off your objective, then, you know, you can do that, right? Mm. Hundred percent, and I think you know, being a being a movement game, distracting with other options. So I think whilst you might think that, oh yeah, if I push all three three things forward all at once, it doesn't matter if I lose one of them, or it doesn't matter like they're all chaff. If you lose them all in one turn, that's game changing. Like if you use three unit strength options in one turn, and the person's in your face, and you haven't got good options to hit them back, then you're done. You're cooked. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we've got options so far. We've got you can't charge what you can't place. Uh, Use a wound calculator to help you learn the odds of how much damage you're doing. Look ahead of turn. Good players limit their opponent's options to bad ones. To bad ones. Yeah. What else you got for us? Well, we spoke about terrain. Terrain, yeah, use your terrain. And I guess this is something that I've picked up just from – and one of the reasons that I did like UB is that you could play – whatever army you wanted and whatever options you wanted. Um, But some armies are just way more forgiving than others for beginners. Um, I think the only reason I ended up with Sylvankin to start off with is because I had a stack of dryads and um, tree people that I could make into that army. But, geez, I don't know what it is about me, but I'm just drawn to finesse armies that just need to be wielded like a scalpel, not a hammer, and I'm Mm. just... I'm not a surgeon, that's for sure. <laughs> Having said that, you are an engineer on plane, so that makes me worry. <laughs> well, not a good one. <laughs> I've never had a plane that survived a flight yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
I'll leave that. I'll leave that one for another yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that's true. That's probably not a it's it's probably not something that's discussed enough is not only are some armies more new player friendly, but there is such a thing as play styles that suit the player as well. Yeah. So for me, I keep really wanting to play something that's got more cav heavy and and I cannot make I am not someone that can play Alpha Strike armies. It's just for whatever reason it is, I can't do the trade-off. But if I play, I am much better with a defensive style army where I can trade off and like and move towards a win across the six turns. It's it's just a style that suits me better. Yeah. Maybe if I talk about this long enough into Facebook, like someone will give a quiz where it's like, hey, in 20 questions, we'll work out what play style suits you or something like that. Mm. But, I mean, honestly, what drew me to the army was just the the models and, the you know, what I wanted to model and hobby to get there. Um, I didn't really even think about play styles before I sort of committed to buying the halflings. I just figured, oh, yeah, I'll work it out. I'm sure it can do a lot. Mm. Um, and now I'm sort of... I'm working my way through all the different units, just seeing how they interact and what works for me and what doesn't work for me, and then um, working out really where I want to build towards the end of the year. Because, you know, I only got so much hobby time a week. I've got to make the mm. most of it. I don't really want to spend three months building units I'm not going to use. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, you can just sub in whatever units you want, mix and match. Um Kind of disappoints me that I've had a lot of success with trolls, knowing that they are something I don't want to put in my list whatsoever. Why is that? Well, I'm playing halflings because I want to play halflings. If Mm. I wanted to play trolls, I think I'd probably just pick a different army. Like it's it's just not the aesthetic that I want to have on the tabletop. Mm. I I like the idea of like regiments and regiments of little people. Um, That Mm. said, I think I'll tolerate the harvester. I'll probably even get a second one. That that unit. Kind of looks cool. Ah, who, who suggested that? Oh, that sounds I've like never, that I've, sounds like a crozierism. I've, yeah. I've not heard. The, well, I heard lawnmower from you. I think so. Well, maybe, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll claim that one. Yeah. It um, it, it is it is just the the melee three, um, I guess kind mm. of hammer. It's got big shield. It's got mm. TC. I um, I'm the same about trolls. Like even though there's halflings on, I might. Kind of don't really love the aesthetic, but also I'm not I'm not keen on relying on a hammer that's melee four. I would prefer yeah. to play defensively with more units, knowing what I'm getting out of it, and have almost no hammers. Honestly, yeah. the and- four, the, yeah, fours to hit is just hard, especially with scorched earth rolling around. It's just it can it can make you feel real sad real quick. But it it I mean even to me like I just thought oh mantic why didn't you make like a tiny little um almost like a little mini dreadnought or a little mini um um like gun platform thing. Like they've got the iron beast which I think is fantastic in just the way it looks. Like they could have just had this uh EJ style or Tinker style unit that was you know had the same rules it was just this like it was just a halfling on like a mechanized sort of steam engine. Yeah. Steampunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit of a steampunky halflings, but yeah. like, but not not advanced. You know, wood choppers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some 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 sort of huff and puff style. I don't know, like a pizza thrower machine or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a CS two pizza. <laughs> That's it. Mm. Yeah, the dough is really old, so it hits with, you know, <laughs> hits with extra punch. 
Um, yeah. And and do you think your learnings on UB will realistically translate to tabletop? Uh, I I really don't know. Uh, and I'm okay with that too. Um, I think half of writing down, again, my my learning so far was just to solidify it myself and to just chuck it out there. Um, I know I looked all over the internet, um, maybe not the best, um, for just a lot of like, hey, here's some rookie errors that are out there. And I just thought, you know what, if I'm having, if I'm going through this myself, why don't I just chuck it out there for someone? Because, again, it's like I'm not claiming to win Masters or Clash of Kings next year. I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I sit on the tables. But mm. it's um, – for me, if this is if it helps me get a little bit better and it, and it cleans up some part of my game, then you know when I do get on the tabletop, I'll be able to um, at least focus on different areas as well. Mm. Do you think there's a risk that the habit of taking time actually translates poorly to tabletop? Uh, may maybe. Um, mm. And again, if it does, then. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we could work out a way of playing a digital clock over play-by-email or something like that. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can always clock yourself, can't you? I just want to do this turn in, you know, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it is. Yeah, and I guess it depends on what's, um, you know, what what do you want to do? Do you want to get, do you want to get the right decision or do you want to just get quickly through the turn? Because if you want to get quickly through the turns, just play three games at once you'll get there in no time. You'll just work out how to race through turns, but you just mm. probably won't make smart decisions. And if mm. I can just start making smarter decisions and get comfortable with the decisions and, like you said before, see the patterns, then, you know, when it comes to playing on the tabletop, I'll just be able to make those decisions quicker and easier. I hope you'll, anyway, see the, that's the you'll see the patterns. They don't call you the rain man for nothing. Well, they, they don't call <laughs> me that for nothing. That's true, but... <laughs> We'll leave that for beers next um, next Clash of Kings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you got anything? You got anything else you want to add about what you've been learning and that might be useful for new players? Not yet, but I do think I will probably write up uh, my experiences at Shirecon and mm-hmm. and maybe even just touch back. Uh, I don't know six months from now, I suppose, about how I'm going with it all. Again, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just to just get it written down to help me understand it better and help me process it. But at the same mm. time, um, I don't know. I, can't, I think it's kind of cool. The the community sort of, it feels a little bit quiet in Australia for me at the moment. So if I can do anything to sort of push out something to, to keep them, um, to keep it moving along, then, you know, get a bit of banter or reactions going mm. from people, then I'm all for it. Yeah. You can write about your experiences from the bottom after round one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm 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 going to be dealing with uh, top table round two. I think after my uh, blackjacking nah, of you, no chance, no chance, yeah, prob- mate. Pro- probably no chance, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. So um, before we leave, we like to do shout outs to anyone you want to thank or anything you want to draw attention to or anything that's coming up. Uh, got anything you want to shout out, mate? Uh, I think I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, all the people who did give me feedback and have helped me along the way. So just thanks for everyone who's sort of taken the time to have a game with me. Um, I think that's probably an important thing for people to 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 have is those game buddies that are, are willing to at the end of the game say, "Hey, mate, like you did well, but I don't know what you were thinking over there. That kind of where you lost it, or 
you know, this bit here worked well for you, do that again next time. Um, you know, if you can get feedback from from mates when you're playing along, it just it does go a long way to helping you understand the game. But apart from that, just thanks to everyone out there who is just putting stuff into the community because I enjoy uh, listening and, and reading it. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. And so for me, I want to shout out our blog, which is www.cowaustralia.com. I'll try and link it in the show notes, but to be honest, I'll probably forget. And so, you know, not not hard to get to. Uh, we'll continue to blog our games. I'm looking to blog my way through the Countercharge Hobby Challenge. So that's another shout out. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that maybe don't participate in the Facebook page, we're in the midst of, it's only just started about a week ago, of the Countercharge Mantic Hobby Challenge where between now and end of December, we're aiming to build 2,100 points of a Mantic army. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be Kings of War, um, but jump on board. You can paint some firefight and put that together if you like. Um, but ideally, Mantic, and you just post your progress, and I'm sure we'll have some. We haven't announced it, but I'm sure we'll have some sort of reward by the end. Um, and otherwise, I'm hoping to have another couple of shows coming up soon uh, with Keith from the Creaky Gamers, who's been putting out some videos and I think came to the last tournament. Did you go to the last tournament, Dave? I don't think you Oh, did. no, I had to miss that one. I had to drop yeah. Yep. Um, and also hopefully getting Matt Curtis on who won Clash of Kings Australia, but since then has won another couple of tournaments. So uh, we'll see if we can get him on for a bit of a list builder studio. Um, yeah. And so uh, sorry for the break in what uh, I, I'm obviously everyone's favorite podcaster and Kings, you know, everyone's had enough of Rob Faniaf or whatever you, you know, however he likes to say his name for new. Yep. Faniaf. You know, I just don't know. Who knows? Um, and Jeremy Duvall, you know, Alex, Alex Coos we haven't heard from for about three years, so who, who even knows? So he should have a, he should have one episode for you this year at some stage. It's coming out anytime soon, isn't it? Sorry, The Kingdom's Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, yeah I don't know. I think it's still in the end of all such stage trying to develop, to be honest. And it's still got a fair bit of evolution before that comes out. They're yeah. waiting till it's cut. Yeah, yeah. Although, interesting theory from my um, sister-in-law who's doing some anthropology at the moment. Uh, apparently, current theory is that Neanderthals and Homo sapiens weren't, nece- Homo sapiens weren't necessarily an evolution of ne- Neanderthals, that they were separate species. Oh, wow. What, so where do, where do they mm. think we came from then? Oh, don't know. Something else. Yeah. Martians? Space. Mm. Mm. Anyway, I'm sure someone will write now, now and say that that's total bull crap. Anyway, you know, our, our listeners are very forgiving. So on that, Dave, would you like to do the honour of taking us out? I will. Until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.
Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm David. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here okay. we go. All right. Uh, welcome to Counter Charge. Yeah, fuck it. I've done it already. <laughs> All right. Already got some bloopers. You beauty. You beauty. I know what's going on. Someone's trying to ring me and I don't want to pick up. There we go. Going away. Is um, that a landline? Yes. Who has a landline anymore? Oh, uh, don't. It's conversations with my wife that I just, I'm not going to die on that hill. Uh oh. You're frozen. <laughs>